Hey everybody, welcome to Artifice episode 92. Things are starting to feel springy in my life. I did a bunch of yard work last weekend. I weeded my yard um, and have been thinking about, you know, maybe, well, have been tentatively planning a trip to the nursery to buy some new plants. Um, other news is that for the first time in so long, I'm preparing for a wedding gig. I have one coming up. Um, the couple has <clears throat> excellent taste in music and has requested some cool, cool songs that I am excited to learn. Um, yeah, and I'm just like thinking real hard about hydrating so that um, I'm ready for that next next weekend. Um, I think that's like all my news. Oh, I guess, I mean, the other big thing is like in April um, and May, I'm digging into recording all the vocals for the new record and making some videos. So I'm doing like right now, I'm really immersed in like doing all the prep for that, like just making sure that all the details are perfect and... Um, yeah, I'm having a lot of fun. So doing a lot of creative stuff, but but uh, very little to share so far. Um, that said, if you want um, to know more about what's going on with the album, I do have some insider behind the scenes information, but it's just for my mailing list. So if you join the mailing list, um, keep an eye out for, I, I put it in like the footer of all the emails, um, a little, a little link to kind of like a behind the scenes, like tour of the new album. Um, yeah. And then I guess the other thing that's exciting is like, I think this episode is going to come out on the week of the actual two year anniversary of the artifice podcast, which is very exciting. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm feeling, you know, feeling good it's like I said it's the springtime some new energy vaccines are like coming I think like just starting to feel like I don't know there's light at the end of the tunnel and I hope you guys are feeling that way too so today's guest is someone who I am so excited to talk to um I've been really interested lately in interviewing creatives who do a bunch of different things <coughs> excuse me it's early in the morning here where I am and like I said, I weeded my yard and I'm having some allergies as a result of kicking up, you know, four months worth of dry pollen and things like that into my face as I was pulling out weeds. Um, what was I saying? Oh, I've been, um, I've been really interested in interviewing the kinds of creatives who do a bunch of different things. Um, and I have a little bit of a hard time convincing such people to come in for an interview because lots of times they'll be like, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I'm not really like, you know, they kind of, they, they maybe don't feel like they're the right fit for the podcast. Um, but of course they are. And Julia, my guest for today, um, luckily does not feel this way about herself, which I'm so glad. Um, and she talked with me about all the different things she does and kind of what it's like to be in her mind. And I just, I really loved the interview. Um, I recorded this interview with Julia, uh, like I think two days before I recorded my like little monologue episode, my monosode. Um, and I think like talking with her was kind of just like that last little boost that I needed to, you know, maybe just decide to, I don't know, just try to give myself a little bit of a clean artistic slate. So 
Anyway, that's my background, and now I'd like to tell you more about Julia. Julia Lowe, also known as Yera, so that's spelled with a J, J J-E-R-A, is a visual artist, UX and UI designer, singer-songwriter, and a witch. As an artist, her style varies from playing with stripped-down visual information that solely represents philosophical concepts and human moments without color or focus on aesthetic, to highly detailed, fanciful depictions rich in color and visual interest. As a designer, her style is also rich in color and airy, with a focus on simple interfaces coupled with beautiful visuals. As a songwriter, her style is described as pop for nerds, witches, and weirdos. And you can find her on Instagram at this is underscore Yera again J-E-R-A so that's a little bit about Julia and um this conversation is was really exciting for me and I know you guys will like it too so without further ado here comes Julia Lowe great art almost feels like magic it opens our minds to brand new ideas and teaches us to see ourselves and our world more clearly of course behind all great art there are artists and I think that's where the real magic happens As we go beneath the art itself to explore how artists do what they do, we see glimpses of the sorts of creativity and resilience that lead to the art that moves our world. And maybe we can learn to borrow some of that magic for our own thinking. That's the goal here. And now that we're on the same page, let's dive in. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. So um, I usually start by asking people what they were like as a creative child. So, um, and and I've, I've been trying to get better at remembering to say it doesn't have to have anything to do with what you're doing now specifically. And I know you do a million things, but what, <laughs> what were you, what, do you, what were you up to as a little kid? Oh, as a little kid, um, as a little kid, I was very much, I, I existed in my head yeah. and not really in the real world. And it's something that I've, I guess I've carried into adulthood, but unconsciously. Yeah. So I think I'm in the real world, Mm -hmm. but my friends and family will always remark like, well, Julia just lives in some universe in her head. What do they mean? Like what? Well, (laughs) I don't quite know because to me, I'm like, you guys are wrong. Like I'm in the world. I'm, I'm here. I'm present. But they're like, you think you are, but we see it. We see that you're existing in a universe in your head. I'm like, Do okay. they mean like you're daydreaming a lot or do they mean like you have different expectations of the world than they do uh, or something I, else? I don't know what they mean. I, I know that they think I daydream a lot and that I spend a lot of time in my head thinking about things that aren't here, that aren't yeah. in the world. So I, and I, I definitely was like that as a child. So I can see why they think that. And I don't know if it's that they knew me as a child and they're assuming I'm that way. Extrapolating. Yeah. Or projecting. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe it's that or, but as a kid, I, I, (laughs) I did exist in my own world and I, I wasn't really aware of my own body, I think until I was like 12 or maybe 13. I I actually like this answer is more common than you might think or some version of it. Like I think daydreaming is a a first creative step for so many of us. Really? I think I'm like that too. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I have a lot of guests who will, who will tell me like, like the kind of, you know, most answers I get will be like, I was playing pretend. Like Mm. I was like, I was doing a lot of like make believe and pretend. Some kids will tell me like, 
when I was little, I just had a ton of energy and like creativity was like one place it could go, but it also went into sports Mm -hmm. um, or whatever. And then some people will tell me like, I was just kind of busy. Like I was making things. I was always like tinkering. Like they'll say, you know, I was digging like, you know, that kind of thing. But, um, but yeah, I think daydreaming is like, you know, I don't know. We all know these kind of like magical children. And I was definitely one of those too. Yeah. Like, no, I, just like I dreamy, like waiting outside. Like I'm sure a fairy will appear. Oh if yeah. I wait long enough. Like that girl's yeah. friends with fairies for sure. I'm not surprised to hear that you were like that as a child. <laughs> so yeah. And I, I, you know, maybe that, um, sort of mode that children kind of are all in, like maybe artists, it's kind of like they've learned how to carry that through yeah. to adulthood. Yeah. But, um, as a kid, I wasn't visual. Okay. Um, I turned into a very visual yeah. artist, but as a kid, I was a terrible drawer, terrible at painting, wow. terrible at all that. But what I did was I played with phonemes and language. And that's where my creativity came from, making up words, making up names, making up languages, making up symbols and all this kind of stuff, which is now seems really similar, similar to like my religion now, but yeah, but I was doing it as a kid. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, I have some more questions about this. I'm so, I'm really fascinated by like human development. And so I like to talk about our creative journey, like in, in conjunction with like kind of human development. So that's why I'm curious about our like childhood circumstances. Um, do you have thoughts about like why you were like that? Or do you feel like it was just like, I came this way? I came this way and it's never gone away. Like I have this strange attraction to words and phonemes and language and playing with those and um, I've kind of developed my own belief about that, I uh, suppose. I'd love to hear about it. Um, I'll, I'll bring us back to my other questions. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh man, I, it's hard to, for me to even explain, but like even, even today, like my family just doesn't quite understand it. They think it's so silly because we'll be playing a video game or whatever. And, if there's like, if it's a game with a bunch of different names and like every character has different names, I'm just like, my eyes start sparkling and I'm like, oh, look at all these names. Yeah. I'm just like obsessed with the concept of naming something. There's something magical about it to me. And, um, so I don't know. I don't know if I can explain. I just think there's more power in language and phonemes and words than, than maybe meets the eye. Totally. Yeah. I fully agree with yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. I get, I get like on one about language too. Uh, maybe not like, I, I mean, I don't know enough about how you think about it to know if it's, um, like quite the same, but it might be, I don't know. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be that surprised. I mean, especially if, you know, for people who write lyrics and, you know, think deeply about, I, I definitely feel like my relationship with like English is like, it's so many things. It's like the meaning of the words, the like literal shape of the words, mm-hmm, yeah. like the vowels and consonants, the kind of sing-songiness of words. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I can't, I actually like, as much as I love language, I don't, I'd never have really had a care, like a care to learn any other languages. Right. I think because I'm so entranced by like the rhythm of the language I know. Yeah. And there's, there's so much to dive into with, with English totally in and of itself. And one weird thing that I've started to do is 
I've started to try to find patterns of like inherit inherent meaning in phonemes because you'll you'll find that um a lot of languages have they'll they'll use similar phonemes for similar feelings and this and that and so I'm I'm trying to find those patterns and there's some like resources so I'm not starting from like ground zero because that'd be insane yeah um but what I'm doing is I'm taking the phonemes just the phonemes themselves and and putting them together in words that are like condensed meaning. Cool. If, cool. if, if that makes sense. Yeah. Or do you mean things like, you know, words that will have like a specific combination of consonants, like that they tend, they frequently have the same meanings in like a non like etymological kind of way. I think so. Cool. And I, I love English in particular, in particular for this reason, because I think you can make up words on the spot. Yeah. And people know what they mean, even though they never existed before because of this principle. Yeah. I find that fascinating. And so I'm trying to like distill that energy of that sort of part of language and then just create words that only have the, the phonemes that mean something. And, and in that way you can create like a very condensed sort of like poem or something. I don't know if that makes sense. Totally. Okay. I mean, I'd love to see it. (laughs) Like the idea of it makes like perfect sense to me. Yeah. I I love that kind of thing as well. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm, I'm doing, I've ever done the same thing, but when I write lyrics, I definitely think actually it's funny. Like I'm, I'm, um, when the pandemic started and all my gigs got canceled, I decided to build an online songwriting course because I just felt like this is something I can do Mm -hmm. (laughs) when all my gigs are canceled. Right. (laughs) Um, and I just finished it. Like I'm launching it on April 1st. And so I just, I did the, my lyrics module at the very end. And so I was just like talking about this, like I was just putting it in my, like in my lessons. Um, but like, I think so much about maximizing the meaning in like just a few syllables yes exactly like the some of the most powerful lyrics like my favorite um musician my favorite music artist is is Sufjan Stevens I remember talking about that we talked about this didn't we and I love I I find that his lyrics in particular are so insanely simple yeah but every single sentence like jam packs meaning somehow And I just love that ability. Totally. Yeah. And there's more, yeah, it's more than even just the words themselves. It's like, you know, the feeling that like an, like an F consonant, like it does a different thing. It lets you like express an emotion in a different way or, you know, different types of like hard consonants are like better for expressing like, you know, maybe frustration or anger and. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool stuff that I could nerd out about forever. This is my <laughs> secret nerdy weird world that nobody understands I, and they're just like, "Julia, why are you so obsessed with phonemes?" And I'm like, "I can't explain it. I don't like know. I just thing. I've yeah. had it since I was a tiny baby." Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Um okay, so the other question that I had about your childhood was like how I well, I guess I have two questions. Like one is um how did like the adults in your life like talk to you about your creativity or talk about creativity in front of you? And then the other is how did you, how do you, how do you remember feeling about it? Oh my goodness. I don't know. I don't know if I've ever thought about that. I, I know that, um, I was, uh, my family definitely 
would make comments about me kind of living in this creative world. Yeah, like it was be like a little silly or something, or did they feel like it was like precious? I think they thought it was precious, okay, and, and I cool. don't think Good. that I was ashamed of it. Good. I chose to break out of it like very intentionally when I discovered that living in your own world means that you don't learn any social skills whatsoever. And mm. then you're very isolated when you're like a teenager a teen, and yeah. you've spent your whole life My, in your like, head. Human development is important as an important part of this conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Totally. So I think that, um, I've always felt that my family appreciates it about me and I don't probably encourages it, you know, some more than others. Um, actually, yeah, I think they encourage it. Even if they're a little mystified by it. I think, yeah, Yeah. I think I'm the youngest, like I'm the baby. So I think they just kind of think everything I do is cute. Like, oh, she's so cute. What (laughs) is she doing? Playing with her little words (laughs) and making her little paintings. Youngest of how many? Six. Okay. Yeah. So a lot. Yeah. Um, so when you were little, little, you just felt good about it. You just felt like this is how I am. This is what I'm doing. Like, I just feel kind of seamless about these these things I you know I didn't really even think about how other people would think about it I wasn't thinking about other people yeah at all yeah I was just doing what made me feel happy and good and and that was it and you were like at that time like a lot of you know your your creative muscles were like mostly happening just internally yeah and then maybe some writing When, when did you start writing Um, yeah, it was all kind of in my head other than, I I mean, I just have stacks and stacks of, oh my gosh, I went through my childhood bedroom like a few months ago. It's a weird experience. It's a weird. I I did that. My parents moved, um, out of the house that I kind of grew up in maybe five, six years ago now. And yeah, I had to clean out my room and it was, it was, it was odd. It's trippy. Yeah. It's super trippy. And like my memory tells me that I created uh, three languages. Yeah. I remember doing about three. I found like 30. Uh, how? What do you mean? Like you were so, writing down words that equaled other words or what, what were you doing? Every All of the above. So like I, and when I say language, I mean either an alphabet okay. or like actually like a language, like this word means this word, like trying to write a dictionary. Okay. But I had a ton of symbolic like alphabets and interesting. And you like were, 30, 30 of them, 35. Like I just kept finding them and I'm were like, they like icons or like, just tell me more. Like, I'd love to know, like, I mean, you say you weren't visual, but like, yeah, coming up with symbols is totally visual. That's actually a good point. Like that. So I was obsessed with the sound of words, but I was also obsessed with um, yeah, the, the aesthetic of each letter. And yeah. I would try to come up with alphabets that aesthetically looked as gorgeous as possible together. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I was obviously really inspired by like Tolkien and Elvish. Sure. And I just thought Elvish was like the pinnacle of like, uh, sonic and yeah. visual beauty. And yeah. I'm like, I'm going to create my own, but you know. Yeah. Cool. So, <laughs> and then, okay. So you, so you were writing, not so, not so much like stories or poems, but like, or were you also doing that? I was also doing that. Okay. Yeah. I was writing poems and, and stories, but mm, less, less story writing. Okay. Honestly, it was mostly just and languages. Not drawing. No, were I was you, terrible. Were you playing with color at all? Like in any way, including like clothing, like. Oh my gosh. No, see, I didn't think about. 
I didn't think about the physical world in that way. Like clothing requires me to like think about my body and that it exists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I have more questions about this, but yeah. Um, I wanted to also ask, so I'm trying to think of like what I know about you now. So that's why I wanted to ask about color just to make sure. Yeah, cool. Because I'm obsessed with color now. So I didn't, I've never, I mean, I didn't know that, but I'm again, like, it seems like you seems like it. It seems like color <laughs> means something to you. Like it seems that way. Um, and then I know you make music. So what was mu- was music part of your childhood? Yeah, definitely. How? So <laughs> yeah, I started um, children's choir when I was like three. Okay, wow. Because my mom was a choir teacher. Okay, I didn't know that. So I I sang my whole life. Okay. And I always wanted to write music and only just now, like within the last year, have been brave enough to yeah. show people what I've been writing. Good. I would love to see it. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, you took like a couple of lessons from me like uh, several years ago now. Yeah. And we were starting to work on some songwriting things. Yeah. And it so, was cool. And I, yeah. I actually feel bad that we didn't ever get to finish that song. Don't worry I about it. I think it was going to be I think I cool. still have it. But I think I still have really? it in my binder. Yeah. So it was cool. I could give it to you. It was going to be radio heady and awesome, yeah. but <laughs> well, anyway, I just, I, I mean, I just, I knew that about you that you wanted to write. So, um, was when you were little and you were in choir, that's very embodied. And also like being in choir is external kind of inherently. Mm-hmm. How did that like interplay with your like not externalizing or internalizing? Um, that's a good question. And I think choir was always sort of like my link into the real world, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> choir like, is interesting because you get to participate without being an individual. Yeah. yeah. And you don't have to be in front of people and you don't, totally. I mean, in terms of like everyone staring at you in particular, yeah. but it's you still get to anonymous. Yeah. It's anonymous yeah. and yet you're still sharing something of yourself mm. and it's you're connecting with people. Totally. When I really struggled it's with like that. Vulnerable and sort of selfless in this like really beautiful way. But yeah, it's very, it's a safe way to create art for someone who's shy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I get that. Absolutely. Well. I just, I loved choir. It was a huge part of my life. I miss it. I dream about it still. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I also feel a longing for that. Like I feel a void where choir yeah, is right? as well. Cause they don't have that for like, I mean, they do, there's like adult choirs, it, but like, yeah, it's just not, if it's, it's the, the right same. fit for you. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and I, I'm not sure that any of the ones that I know about are like the no. right fit for me necessarily. Mm-mm. But yeah, I mean, I do kind of have that in my mind as like something that at some point in my life I need to probably like revisit, but yeah. Um, and then finally I wanted to ask about, um, how you were consuming art. So like how, how you consumed anything, visual movies, TV, how you consumed music and how you consumed writing. Okay. Do you have any memories of what was influencing you? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I didn't consume a lot of visual art. It wasn't as important to me. And it's strange that I ended up going, the visual direction seems so gifted at that. I'm <laughs> shocked that you weren't dabbling as a child. I know. I mean, I would do art here and there, but like I wasn't consuming art. I read a lot of books. I was obsessed with reading. 
and I was obsessed with music and yeah. I listened to music and read books all the time. And that's what I did. Did reading feel visual to you? Yeah. I mean, I was very visual in terms of, you know, my imagination. Yeah. So I think I feel like that too. Like words are visual to me. Yeah. Like, and especially like, I love writers that are very descriptive. Like, um, and, and I don't just mean like, you know, you just using adjectives, but like, <laughs> you know, the kind of writers who can really like put you somewhere, like yeah. put you in a scene. Mm-hmm. Um, a, as a child, I always was like looking for writers that wrote that way. Um, and, and the experience of reading like was and is like visual. It for is. Me. Yeah. It happens like you start out the first page, it's happening on the page. And then once you're into it, it's happening in the visual totally. cor- cortex. Yeah. I mean, you put your out. hand here, like in your frontal lobe, like, yeah. yes, that's it's where right it is. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. You can feel Amen. where activity is in your brain. tingling right there above <laughs> your eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay. So that gives me a great idea of like what was going on when you were a child. Mm -hmm. So what changed that felt you felt like you, um, felt like you needed to be more in your body? Um, um, yeah. So I, this is a good question. I'm trying to decide which direction I'm going to go with describing this. Yeah. You can say whatever you want or not say whatever you want. Yeah. I mean, I just, I developed my like thinking brain and then I didn't like develop my speaking abilities really until I was like 14 or something. Like I remember, um, I basically never spoke to my own family and they would just, I was just the little one in the corner doing weird projects and they'd be like, there's Julia doing her weird stuff. And then when I was like 14, I was kind of just like listening to my family talk about something and I said something, I was like, Hey guys, I think this and the whole room stopped what? and like my like slowly heads like turned towards me yeah. and somebody was like oh my gosh julia said something everyone quiet Shh. you really were just like totally quiet yeah wow. i was completely isolated in my own head and then one day i spoke i mean i it's not like i didn't speak i wasn't yeah. a mute but yeah. you know what i mean yeah and um you just weren't like excessively verbal mm-mm, yeah mm-mm. and that carried over into school and I brought a book with me Yeah, in every period. I would just isolate myself in the back and read a book. Yeah. And I was like that too. Really? I was very, very verbal. Um, super verbal always have been like everyone who knows me is like, Emily, can you stop talking? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I was also really, really shy. Mm -hmm. And, um, especially with peers. Like I love talking to adults, like even as a little kid with people my age, I was just really, really shy and I didn't have a great, um, I like wasn't confident in my ability to like be understood by people my age. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just had a lot of like conflict. Like I, Mm. I felt like I had a hard time getting along with people, um, I felt like I got misunderstood a lot. Like mm. I was frequently as a child kind of like accused of being like a show off, which oh. is not at all how I felt. I just like was exuberant about things. Yeah. You know? Um, 
and I was kind of precocious, you know, Mm -hmm. but I, I always felt very like shy. So it was weird. I don't know. It was like a weird thing getting like accused of that kind of thing. Yeah, that's too bad. People just want to squash well, and children's I don't know magic. if I've talked about this with you, but like I was raised by narcissists. So it's also possible that like my mom was just like so-and-so's mom said like I that's something I wonder about a lot. Oh. <laughs> it's like quite possible that like all the things that I thought that like other little kids were thinking about me were like kind of my mom's mm. words. Mm-hmm. Regardless, like I felt very, I felt a very strong lack of confidence with peers. So yeah, was quiet like at school. Um, so you and read a lot. Always get, had a book. Yeah, always had yeah. a book. Absolutely, it was like a or I had a book and I was also always drawing. I had like a little pencil bag and a notebook. I would doodle. Yeah, I would doodle and I would doodle ugly doodles, but I did doodle. Yeah, it's just like you need you. I'm yeah. It was like that. I don't know, like just building like a nice little nest around yourself, like a little insulation. Yeah, absolutely. Insulation. And oh my goodness, I definitely insulated myself as much as I possibly could. Like, um, I was terrified of people like making fun of me or this or that. And so what I did is I just like literally wouldn't respond to anybody. Yeah. Like if somebody would say something I would just like pretend that they're not there wow and when you do that like people don't try again really Mm -hmm. oh my gosh yeah yeah so so you didn't really have friends you were kind of like truly isolated you had siblings I had siblings I had um one friend who is still my best friend to this day I love that she's my little lifesaver that's so beautiful (laughs) and she's been with me since I was three so I had her so when you're like 14, do you remember like wanting to make a conscious change of like, I want to interact with people more or like what do, what, if anything, do you like remember about it? Yeah. So I actually have two experiences that like definitely taught me who I was and that I, <laughs> that I needed to change. Yeah. Um, so I went to EFY. Yeah. Um, for the listener, it's like a Mormon youth camp. Right. Week long. And it was extremely traumatic. Oh, no. Because I didn't even know that I had social problems. Oh, no. I never had the opportunity to confront that because I just hung out with my family and my best friend, Sharon. Yeah. And so I went to EFY and I was treated so poorly. Oh, my gosh. So poorly. And and I realized that it was twofold. It was my looks, like I didn't look like the other girls and I, my personality was not, was not good enough. What do you mean you didn't look like the other girls? Like, was it like a, like a dress and hair and makeup thing or? Yeah. I had no idea how to do it because like, I just came on, I like, I just booted up and realized I had a body like a little while ago. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't play with makeup as a kid. I didn't care about anything like that. So So I was treated really poorly and, um, anyway, we don't have to get too much into that, but that made me go, okay, yeah, I want to be different. I mean, I feel like that's like kind of the same thing. Uh, Like I I was just talking about this with my friend. Uh, I I had talked on the phone last night with an old friend, um, who I haven't, I haven't seen in person in 12 years, maybe. Um, we've been like texting a bit and then we talked on the phone last night and, uh, we were talking about this same thing of like, 
realizing that other people see you differently than you see yourself and like how bizarre that is. It is bizarre. It's disturbing too. Like when you realize the person that you think you're putting off to the world is different than what other people are seeing. Yes. It's like, oh no. I experienced that as a child as well. Like, I mean, I think that's what I was saying before with like, you know, kind of maybe being accused of being like a know-it-all or a show-off or something and just feeling like, I don't feel those things like, like that's not what I'm trying to all. exude. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, and I still like, I was just telling, I was just telling this to my friend last night, like of all the therapy that I've gone to and all of the like, you know, artistic exploration and like, that is like the one thing that I still feel like kind mm. of unsolvable about really as an adult. Yeah. Oh. It's funny that you, it's funny that you, I mean, it's also just like, isn't this what it is to be a human? Yeah. <laughs> like these things happen, but yeah, I was just saying this last night. Oh, like, that's so interesting. This weird experience of being like, oh, I did not anticipate that that is how I was like coming off. That's how people yeah. see me. Like, yeah, I had a friend. Well, it's an, it's a hard thing to feel. It's, it's really painful. Like I had somebody tell me, um, in high school, actually, she's like, Julia, you know that you have a nickname around the school. And I'm like, I don't even know people knew I was there. Yeah. She's like, people call you the girl who doesn't talk. And they talk about how, oh, this ties back into art. Here we go. Yeah. Ready. And she, she was like, people were talking about in band the other day, like eight months ago, you answered this question in, in class and they're still talking about it. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? What is this question? She's like, one of the teacher, one of your teachers asked the class, what is art? And they said that you said art is truth. And they had no idea what you're talking about. Oh my gosh. And they were talking about it like eight months later. I'm like, people hear me? Like, people are also, talking about oh my, me later? There are so many things. Did you, like, remember saying that? I remember I remembered saying it. And it's yeah. because I had had a conversation with my mom the day before about what is art. And, like, yeah. we were exploring that idea. And yeah. I don't necessarily think that it's that great of an idea. But, I, you know, I just wanted to say something different than, like, art is colors and shapes beauty and i'm like yeah "Yeah." so yeah that's so yeah that would have freaked me out big time yeah right like people like are still talking about that yeah and also like it's not that big of a deal like so i said an idea that is like not (laughs) crazy yeah like maybe it's not like the most typical answer but it's certainly not like it's not like edgy no it's (laughs) yeah exactly (sighs) being a teenager is the worst it is you truly the worst mm, i will never go back i mean yeah. thank god i'll never thank go god we'll never go back <laughs> amen hardcore to that yep. um so but you had those that experience at camp at the camp and then felt like you wanted to like s- solve this problem oh yeah yeah so i'm a problem solver okay. so when i'm when i am aware something wrong, I will drop everything and change it. Yeah. Um, so I spent a year focusing on those two problems and I'm like, okay, people care about how other people look. That means I have to care about it. Yeah. So I spent a year like staring at other girls, trying to figure out what the hell are they doing that makes them cute and I'm not cute. And then I spent a year like 
just listening to other people have conversations and just like, like I was like a robot, like trying to like beep beep, wow. like analyzing doing like research. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's what I did in school. How did it feel like it, like in retrospect, like as a, as an adult, like, do you look back and feel like that was really unhealthy the way that I handled that? Or do you feel like that was really problem solving the way I handled that. Like, how do you feel about it? I actually feel really grateful for it um, yeah. because it broke me out of a um, a place where I wasn't really able to be myself. Yeah. Wow. Because it was holding me back. Like, not having social skills yeah. was holding me back from being actually who I really want to be. It feels like such an in, like a, an important distinction. Like, you're paying attention. But, but, you know, being thoughtful somehow about, you know, when you're ready to participate it like visually and in conversation, you're doing, you're not just copying, you're like taking the information and then thinking like what feels true and right for me. Yeah. That's like, how did you do that? That's crazy. I don't know. That I, seems I, insane. I don't know. Well, I was like, just a weird little brain. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Because, I mean, I'm sure that most people can relate to, like, I mean, I, for sure most girls can relate to, like, just looking and being like, what am I supposed to be doing? Yeah, like, how do I be cuter? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, like, what's normal? Like, yeah, what, what's normal? Yeah. And... and you know, to varying degrees, try to match it. But it sounds like, so like your like aesthetic is very you now. Yeah. Was it like that then? Like, did you, did you join this? Did you join like the world of hair and makeup and clothes like as Julia or did you join <laughs> it as like some hybrid of what else oh, you were seeing? No, I didn't join it as Julia. Okay. I joined it as I'm going to, transform myself into somebody that people don't treat like garbage okay yeah so um, it felt like costuming kind of yeah it was yeah. like it was more costuming protective I, costuming yeah and it and I that's a great way of putting it and I've I been, wrote a whole album about this oh my god it's, yeah. it, that's brilliant because I feel like <laughs> when I dress normal yeah I'm costuming and I've been costuming until COVID yeah because COVID allowed me to work from home wow so for the first time I was able to aesthetically look the way I feel yeah, on the yeah. inside instead of trying to look normal for like, job interviews and that kind of thing. 100%. Um, yeah. My, I released an album in May called masks that I've been working on for right, years. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I think uh, the same way about this, like when I feel like I look like normal, sometimes that's like, it, it's not like my outsides aren't reflecting my insides. Yeah. And then, you know, when you dye your hair pink and when you, you know, wear whatever loud thing you're wearing or, or whatever, it can be easy for people to accuse those things of being like masking mm -hmm. when it like, they're not, they might not, or they it's, might sometimes be. Maybe sometimes they are. Yeah. For me, it's the opposite. Yeah. hundred percent. I think I feel the same way, but I also feel like if, you know, when I'm really honest about it, like I don't always feel like. I want my hair pink. No, 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 yeah. no. Yeah. My, my it heart goes and cycles. soul and brain is constantly changing. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. just different day to day. Yeah. And that makes my husband's head spin. 
Poor man. Yeah, I think I like that too. That's interesting. <laughs> I need to think about that more. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I also like talk a lot about like authenticity being fluid. Oh, um, yeah. It's like one of my favorite topics because hmm. I, I feel that so much. Like, I don't know that I've thought that much about like a day to day fluidity of like an authentic self. Although like, of course, like a long term implies a short term, I think. But yeah, I mean, definitely like sometimes I feel very quiet and internal sometimes I feel very like open and I want to just like fall in love with everyone and Mm -hmm. um yeah and those things like reflect differently in like my physicality absolutely I love having the freedom to be able to follow that yeah and it's probably the best thing that COVID gave me wow is that I have never felt free to look the way I want to look. Even though, you know, you, I always think people are going to judge me, but I realized now that I look more the way I want to look, people don't care. Like even if I go back to work, it's not going to be a big deal. The, 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 the fear that I had was, wasn't real. Yeah. Um, it was just paranoia. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually, I was, I love, I love it when this happens and it happens so often that my guests come in talking about stuff that I've been totally thinking about. That's like, crazy. or it might just be like, I'm thinking about a lot of stuff Maybe and then whatever, all the time. <laughs> whatever they're talking about. I'm like, Oh my gosh, me too. Um, cause I, there's just enough going on that yeah. it's just bound to be true. But yeah, I was actually, I was thinking, well, I'm, I'm, I wrote a new album and I'm working on recording and kind of planning all the visuals right now. Like that's kind of, um, the part of the project that I'm, that I'm working on right now and have been like a sem, you know, planning all the looks like planning the visuals. And I've just been, so I've been thinking about fashion and hair and makeup. Literally like yesterday, it was like all, it was like my main task of the day. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And then I called, and then I called my friend on, uh, we talked after I was on my way home anyway. Um, you know, when I was, when I was in high school, as shy as I was, I would like wear leopard print pants. I always wore heels. Um, like I sometimes I was, yeah, I was just thinking about this yesterday. It's so weird. I had this like satin, like huge, like satin butt ribbon. It was like not gift wrap material. It was like a fabric. It was like a clothing item, mm-hmm. but it was like, l- like lilac satin. It was probably like five feet by like five inches. And I would just like, tied around my waist mm-hmm. and like in a huge bow. Um, <laughs> I love it. And like, I don't feel like that now. Like I feel like a lot of times I want to wear neutrals. Um, and like that just feels like calm. Like I want to wear neutrals in pink. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's interesting how those things go in phases. That's yeah. all. That's my whole point. Very interesting. So you were problem solving. Did you enter the social life like in a non-visual way as Julia? Or was that also like, I'm going to try to fit in. Oh, did I enter? Can you say that question again? Well, we were talking about how like you (laughs) entered like, you know, visual stuff as like not Julia. What about, what about in terms of conversation? In terms of conversation, I actually think I entered as myself. Cool. I don't think I was able to fake it. I did learn how to have conversations and how to like actually speak just by like intently listening to other people for like a year. Um, did that feel creative to you? I mean, I don't know. 
I don't know if it's creative other than it was my own way of solving the problem. Maybe it was like problem solving is like inherently creative, (laughs) right? Well, yeah. Well, and having like this period of like research and then like assimilating that, you know, translating yourself, um, into verbals, you know, mm-hmm. in the world. I mean, how could that not be creative? Yeah. It, it seems to me like it's definitely creative. I just am wondering if it felt creative and maybe not quite. I don't think it, yeah. I consciously thought of it as creative, but yeah. Um, what were you doing that was creative in your teens? In my teens. Um, so my teens is where I, um, started exploring with visuals. Yeah. Tell me more. How um, did you do? Yeah, so I think I was like 14, and this is kind of... Yeah, that same time period. The same time period. It's, I guess, the awakening. Um, So I took private art lessons. I had never really created any any decent art before, Um, and I just kind of picked it up. How did you take... Like, did you have to ask for private art lessons? So why did I even do it? Because that feels significant to me, like... You know what? My mom just like always wanted me to, oh, I know what it was. My older sister had done it. Okay. And she has great influence over me. I basically just do whatever she says. Cool. I still do. (laughs) Um, It's why I chopped my hair off actually. Uh, Well, it looks great. (laughs) I love it. But she was like, Julia, you need to take art lessons. I'm like, okay. And you hadn't really done any, like, why did she think that? Because she had done it and yeah. she loved it and she, she yeah. just wanted me to try it. It was just like a she random probably thing. She knew you were like artistic. She, you know, I, I was creative. I was always doing little projects. And yeah. so I think she thought, oh, maybe I'll be good at it. And the thing is, is like, I was, I was really good at it. Yeah. Um, wow. Like right That's off so crazy the bat. that you weren't. <laughs> Like, that's crazy. I hate to like say it. You don't want to say like, I was so good at something, no. but no. for a 14 year old who had never picked up a that's paintbrush. That's what I'm saying. I mean, that's like huge. I was making like really accurate drawings and paintings. How did that feel? I mean, you're at this time in your life where you're, I don't know, dealing with a lot of pressure and I'm sure like a lot of, I mean, I'm, I'm positive. A lot of that pressure felt really negative. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have this thing that's like so validating, like, were you able to like feel that or like, how did it affect your identity? Yeah, I think I was able to feel that. And I think it it probably gave me some sense of identity when I didn't have very much sense of identity. I mean, it was my art lessons in choir. Yeah. I always felt like I had a place in choir. Yeah. It was like I belonged and I had a good voice. And so people wanted me there. Yeah. And in, in, yeah. So choir and then my art lessons and, um, it just felt strange to be good at something, um, right off the bat. And I wasn't sure how I was doing it. I didn't know. I didn't know why I could do it. I had never. Wow. And, um, I think it's just because I looked at stuff longer than maybe other people been looking at things for like a a decade i I was an observer i almost didn't output anything i just observed yeah you were like yeah totally yeah i mean that makes sense i mean it it maybe is something that you had like the coordination all of a sudden you know but i mean i think yeah i don't know yeah um did you like show art to people like so I'm I'm understanding it was part of your like 
a self identity, but did it become part of your identity like outwardly too? Um, <clears throat> Are you I was, doing like contests or no? See, for me, art was never something that I wanted to show off. Cool. It was always something very personal to me. Whereas singing was something that I wanted people to hear. Okay. And um, as a soloist too, mm-hmm. how did that? When did that happen? Yeah. So I was in high school and I was still in this kind of place where. I I was the girl who didn't talk, but I had a place in choir and that's where I belonged. And, um, I sing a solo with a friend, I guess it was a duet. I sing the Lachmay duet. Okay. And it was the first time I had ever been visible in my whole life. Yeah. And everybody was talking to me about it. Yeah. Where I was like, and you, and you liked that. I loved it. (laughs) it. And this is the thing is that my family, had told me my whole life that I hated attention yeah. while well, Julia hates attention. She mm. just never wants attention. Wow. She hates attention. And I thought, oh, I hate attention oh until gosh. I got some attention. That's so funny. <laughs> like, cause I think I'm on the opposite. Like, really? cause I'm, I, I love performing because I just love participating in music that way, mm-hmm. but I don't want attention. Like really? I, like I genuinely don't. Interesting. So I think that's why like getting called a show off, like it creeped me out so yeah, much. That probably hurts. Yeah. Cause yeah. I was just like, well, I just like to sing. <laughs> like I just want to sing. I don't Let want me sing. people to, I don't. Yeah. Like, like even still, you know, if I perform and people come up to me afterward, I feel very like, like, even if I (laughs) like, and I know that's, that's pretty normal for people, but yeah, I think I, I don't know. I want appreciation, Yeah, but I don't want attention. Hmm. I feel like they're kind of different things. I think they're different things. I want people to appreciate my effort, Yeah, but I don't, I don't like attention. Like, do not, you don't like, like, people that you don't know coming up to you and like giving you compliments or, yeah or people I do know or like I don't know yeah I think I feel very sheepish about it I don't know do you feel like you know how to like because t- I know a lot of people it's like they receive a compliment and it's like there's no ability to take it in they're just like it's Ugh. definitely partly that yeah because again like my mom was a narcissist and she was really hard on me. Mm. Um, and she, um, yeah, she was really hard on me. So I think like, I think I still deal with like the fallout of that, um, in, in this kind of way of like, I mean, I think when I was a kid, if other adults or people like praised me, my mom would get kind of jealous and competitive and she would sort of punish me for that. So I'm sure there's like, crap in there like i'm sure there's there there is i'm sure but there's got to be for sure there is but i think it is also just like i really do like the way that i think about art and creativity is magical it's very like human connection like and like it's this esoteric like a beautiful thing and i almost feel like when people compliment like my voice or something it like it like robs it of that thing maybe like cheapens it of the magical qualities if people compliment like if they're like your storytelling like if they'll if they compliment that kind of thing that doesn't feel like attention on me that feels like attention on like the experience that like was created 
Okay. I don't know. Maybe that's an important distinction. <laughs> I, I like that though, because I mean, I do think like, you know, anybody brilliant runs the risk of getting a big head. You know what I mean? And people will kind of feed if, if you have an ego that's sort of like hungry, if you know what I mean, totally. they'll yeah. feed that. And then yeah. your ego can get big, which can drown out the magical process of creating art. I think it's totally that. So I get that. And I think my ego is like not hungry, Hmm. but like, like I said, I, like, I really want to be appreciated. Mm -hmm. Like I, and I want to be like seen and understood. Um, is it like you want people? Okay. So here's what it is for me. Yeah. So like I'm, (laughs) I'm creating music finally. Um, really excited about it. It's like, so I'm so excited about it. Um, and I've been thinking like, okay, what is my goal? What's my goal in creating music? Why am I creating music? Um, I think some, for some people, you know, like it's an expression or some people are like, I want to get famous or whatever. I want to make money. I don't know. My like dream is that (laughs) someday I would have like a cult following of weirdos and witches and nerds that like have a little forum yeah. that they just like dig into my lyrics yeah. and try to figure them out I'm and so be like, with you. what does this mean? Blah, 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 blah. Like yeah. that, they if find I, your breadcrumbs, if I yeah. ever achieved that, that would be success. Yeah. That would be like, I'd yeah, and be that's stoked. not like attention on you. No. Maybe we feel the same. I think it, yeah. it might be similar because you're maybe saying you just don't have a narcissistic mother. I yeah. don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. maybe that like attention and kind of praise like right after a performance, maybe you don't have like the same issues that I have with it. Maybe or not. Something. Maybe not. I can see how yeah. that would have affected you. Yeah. For sure. It still does like hardcore. Yeah. Mm. It's, it, I, I feel very icky about that kind of thing. Hmm. Like, yeah. So you would prefer people to like specifically maybe call out like a a specific point. Yeah. Talk about like the art and yeah. not just like you're so, yeah. Like that kind of direct praise like makes me just like, well, and shrivelly. those specific comments or compliments, those are always the ones that are most meaningful. Totally. I think to any artist, Yeah, yeah um, totally. instead of you're great, you're mm-hmm. so talented. Yeah. Thanks. It just f- makes me want to throw up. <laughs> yeah. It feels like <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. I have, being a person is really weird. It's super weird. Yeah. And I want, like, I want to explain like all of those things. Like I can feel them happening in real time. And I want to be like, this is, I'm doing this because (laughs) of these things. That would be so funny. I do it sometimes. Yeah. You know, it it is what it is. It is what it is. (laughs) It's awkward. Uh, And then I have a podcast so I can say all of the things slowly and in an appropriate context. Okay. So wait, I had other questions. So you're, you're still doing choir. You're starting to do solos. You're like, Ooh, I actually love this attention. Mm-hmm. You're drawing. That's just for you though. Yeah. I'm painting, mm-hmm. drawing and painting. Um, what about writing? Um, Oh, when did I start writing? Oh, I can't even remember. I think I started writing my first year in college. Okay. So that was a little bit later. Okay. Um, but I had another question that I wanted to ask about your teen years and I can't remember it. Darn it. Um, is there anything else that you want to say about like your 
kind of like internal development during those years as like a creative, as an artist? Yeah. Let me think. Um, yeah, just the art itself, um, has gone on a huge journey. Um, so like I said, I started out doing like realism. Okay. And, um, in my mind, there was no creativity in that. Okay. In my mind, yeah. I wasn't being an artist. Okay. I didn't consider myself an artist till college. I thought I was just, I had a really observant eye and I was super good at copying stuff. Okay. Yeah. So I developed those skills of how to see and really being a visual artist is just how to see. That's it. How to see. So I learned how to see as a as a teenager, but I never considered myself an artist because I thought what being an artist is, is thinking of a novel thought in your head and then manifesting it. Right. So if I'm just copying a photo or like a still life or whatever, that's not coming from me. So is that really art? I think a lot of people feel the same way about like singing Broadway songs, you know, like really, um, I, 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 yeah, I think it's the same thing. Of course, then you could argue like creating the character, like in real life, like embodying, like acting is creative. Even if someone else wrote the character, um, you know, you can be very creative with your choices of technique. Um, but I, but I think you're describing a similar thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and looking back, I think that there was creativity there, but I didn't, of course I didn't acknowledge it Yeah. because I didn't think of myself as a creative person yet probably (laughs) yeah so interesting I thought it was technical it was just like this is just my same problem solving brain just like uh, mechanically analyzing the shapes on the thing that I'm seeing and just recreating it like a robot kind of thing so what did you major in in college art okay 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 tell me how you got from starting to take art lessons to I'm going to be an artist like (laughs) what what happened in your like you know, yeah, technical progress, you know, artistic, you know, and then maybe also kind of your identity and how you were talking about it with people. Yeah. Okay. So let me think. Um, it was sort of this interesting kind of, I don't want to say duality cause it's not a duality, um, where I didn't consider myself an artist in my heart, but I was creating a lot of art and people were like, uh, this is art. Yeah. So this is all super realist, realistic and you're really good. Maybe you should, maybe this is what you should be doing. Other people kind of suggested that to you. Yeah. Cool. Um, and I didn't have any like major passions other than like music at the time. I also wasn't a feminist yet. Uh, so I didn't expect much of myself and relatable. Yeah. yeah. I, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. So when, you know, people would suggest, you know, maybe you should go into art and then other people would be like, yeah, but what are you going to do with that? Yeah. I was like, well, it doesn't matter because yeah. I'm a woman and my man will take care of oh me and God. I don't need to worry about making yeah, money. Yeah. So I'm just going to do what I want and not consider my future. So yeah. that's like literally what went into making that decision. I get that. I think, <laughs> yeah, I, oh gosh, it's so, it's so complicated to look back on those times in our lives where we made such crazy, huge decisions. <laughs> so uninformed. Yeah. But yeah, I think about that kind of stuff too. I think like 
no, nobody suggested music to me really. Um, uh, my parents, the least of all were very, they were very unsupportive of me majoring in music, like made fun of me about it. We're like, well, we're not going to help you pay for it, even though we definitely can, you know, whatever, all these kinds of things. It was like, they were going to disown me when I <laughs> decided to major in music. <laughs> but I think like, I was thinking of some of these like gender things as well. Mm-hmm. Like I kind of felt like, well, it's maybe a good job for a mom. Mm-hmm. Like I can teach lessons I don't know. And then, but I think I also like, if I really think about it, you know, I was taking like hella AP classes, getting really good grades. I think maybe if I had been a feminist back then, I maybe wouldn't have majored in music. Mm -hmm. Are you kind of saying a similar thing? Absolutely. I wouldn't have majored in art. Um, However, it's this weird choice. You're like kind of glad you did. Yeah. It's this weird choice that I made being uninformed and not expecting much of myself. And yet it led to a great career that I have now. And, and, and also it unlocked my creativity for the first time in college is when it happened. Um, so yeah, so I, it's so like weird (laughs) to think about it. I know. I feel the same thing. I think like, would I have like, you know, become a lawyer or some kind of like business person. I probably would have gone into business because at the time I like, Oh, business is cool. I hate business now. Gosh, I'm so glad I didn't do that. I'd rather die than start my own business. That's just not me. But at the time I probably would have gone into business because my, you know, actually my dad used to tell me, go hang out at the business building. Uh, go do your homework at the business building. So you'll meet the business guys. Wow. You know, so you can marry someone rich instead of, Hey Julia, maybe you should go into business. (laughs) So I wasn't taught to be, yeah, thank God I found feminism, but, uh, it happens when it, yeah, uh, gosh, I get it. And also like, I think just the fact that we're like, I I'm physically here in Utah. A lot of my guests have similar stories. A lot of the female guests. Yeah. I imagine that's the case. Where did you go to school? BYU. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I went, I managed to get myself to like a very liberal small town music haven. Oh, nice. Um, and so I probably had like starting from like right after high school, a very different experience from you. I'm sure. But internally probably lots of the same stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Cause there were no, I mean, there wasn't, there weren't business guys at my school. It was like, <laughs> we, it was, it hippie. was all, it was hippies. Hippies. Yeah. Oh, fun. I mean, I was like, by far the most conservative person that I knew in school. Really? Yeah. And I was probably the most yeah. liberal person. Yes. Yeah, so it's quite weird because we were there. probably really similar. Yeah. Like if you're actually looking at it, <laughs> but yeah, that environment can really shape like how you feel about yourself. Yeah. Well, and the art, you know, there's always controversy in the art program at BYU. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Um, about it. Well, let me, let me just go back um, well, actually, whatever is important to like your creative evolution is important to this conversation. Okay. Yeah. Well, and I was just going to say, so the way I thought about art was strange as a teenager because I didn't, it's not like I valued it very highly. It was yeah. just this thing that I could do. I didn't know why I could do it. I was just, I just could do it. And it was like this fast track for me to get into a program where 
I could just do something fun and I didn't really expect much of myself. And so I had a strange relationship with art as a teenager. And I kind of thought of it as like this very sort of technical thing that anybody could do Mm -hmm. if they just sat down and did it. And so I didn't feel like an artist. I didn't feel special about it. Um, so I went to, I got into the art program, fine art, fine art. And, uh, honestly, even though, Art at BYU is controversial because, you know, they're always trying to censor things. Yeah. <laughs> I taught there for four years, so I... Oh, you did? Yeah. So I know some things about it. What did What did you teach? Jazz voice. Jazz voice? Yeah. Okay. And it, it was... Did they censor, like, the content of the types so of songs? So much. Oh, my God. Like, specifically, like, we... I programmed this really cool arrangement of Norwegian Wood um by the Beatles and mm-hmm. we had to change the lyric from like um uh, drinking her wine um and then I had another song oh um, that had like the word coffee in it it was like with loads of coffee just to wash it down that was like the lyric uh-huh it was just like this classic swing tune like yeah. just a swing tune um yeah and my students felt uncomfortable singing it and we changed it you changed yeah. it to what? Um, well, <laughs> I didn't change it. He, the student just, I mean, if he's listening, I've, it's fine. But <laughs> he changed it in the performance, like uh, impromptu to a chocolate milkshake. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's sweet. But I mean, I, yeah, well, it is weird, though. I mean, I want to ask you about this, um, but I'll just say quickly, like, yeah, I mean, when I was in school, I was by far, like I said, the most conservative person mm. And that's how I saw myself. And then I moved to Utah with my master's degree in jazz studies from one of the best jazz studies programs in the world. Um, Super diverse, you know, experience for me. Um, And then I got hired to teach at BYU and it became very clear to me that I was seen as like really really edgy wow. really really rule rule breaking and wow. pushy that's and crazy. kind of maybe a little slutty you know just stuff like really? i got written up to the honor code office like six times really and i and here i am seeing myself as like tame you, like very tame i mean you you don't seem you I'm, seem like really normal to me <laughs> I think I'm pretty normal. I mean, (laughs) and it's like artsy as I am in my brain. Like I don't, yeah, I'm a very like rule following human in the daytime, you know? Well, the standards at that school are not like, they're just not normal human standards. And there's just all manner of projection and fear. And I think just being a woman that doesn't have kids is like edgy. It's true. You know, being, being a female professor who doesn't have kids yeah you know being that in and a of female itself. professor period yeah yeah that's um, true being younger than everyone in the department you know it's whatever but <laughs> um but speaking of like being reflected something that isn't what you think you're right you know yeah. it's a lot of stuff oh my goodness and i have to imagine that majoring in art at byu is also like maybe i'm just making assumptions but i I imagine that, you know, if you are talking to someone that you meet at, not in your program, but just at school in your Provo, you know, whatever, and you say, I'm an art major, you're going to get a totally different response than if you're in New York City and say you're an art major mm-hmm. and a, a total different set of assumptions are like on your shoulders. Yeah. Immediately. Agreed. Yeah. 
Um, what did you want to say about it? <laughs> There's oh, me like just throwing all manner of projections at you. Well, let's think. <laughs> what do I want to say about it? I remember. Okay. So I was Mormon about half the time I was there yeah. and I was not Mormon about half the time I was there. Um, and I remember while I was still Mormon, I was still really upset about the censorship Yeah, because I had this feeling like I I had a very mechanical, unmagical view of art before I went to college for it. And then it like opened up my understanding about creativity and how magical it is while I was there. And so I did have this sense like in my figure drawing class that um, doing a new drawing was just such a beautiful thing to do. Even as a Mormon, I was... Uh, I I remember the way I considered it was like, it was the opposite of pornography. Yeah. It was taking the human body and like representing it in the most respectful way possible and like celebrating the beautiful, the the beauty of it, like in the most healthy way. And though I remember thinking about it, like that, you know, Satan was kind of like twisting the sacredness of the human body and that drawing, you know, nudes and making, art of nudes was like untwisting combating, yeah combating that combating kind of thing. what what satan was doing totally um so that's how i felt about it as a mormon and then um so even even then i would actually so the the models at byu wear bikinis yeah which in a, a strange way is more sexual totally than not wearing bikinis i agree it like draws attention in a di- totally different way and it's like yeah it's it's strange um but I feel that way about the music stuff too. Yeah. Like calm the heck down about it. <laughs> you know, like yeah. you're, you're making it weird. <laughs> like, you know what? You're making it weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I remember, um, I would just draw the bodies under the clothes, yeah. even though I couldn't see them Yeah. because I felt that there was almost no value in my drawings of these models with bikinis on yeah it was like why am i drawing these like in a way it was almost like more disrespectful it was like why am i drawing these creepy pictures of like women in bikinis yeah um totally so i would just use my imagination and draw the bodies underneath and i remember and i was the only student that did it wow um but i remember my teacher of that figure drawing class um, kind of always like patting me on the back and being like, good job. Like, <gasps> I'm, glad really? you're, I'm glad you're doing that Wow. because, um, I was worried you were going to say the opposite thing. No, he was glad that I was doing that because cool. he, he would get in trouble. Like he yeah. brought in this book of like beautiful is actually kind of an edgy thing to do at BYU to be fair, but yeah. this beautiful book of like nude statues and nude this and that, and just a bunch of nudity, but it was like art. Right. Yeah. And I think there may have even been a few photos, but they were like clearly art. Yeah. And he got in trouble for it. And then in the next, uh, class, he like reamed all of the students like I can't believe one of you told on me this is art and he like ranted about totally. the meaning of art and yeah. how like if you don't understand the difference between this and pornography mm-hmm. then you need to like question why you're even in this program I, you don't even have a sense of art if you don't understand yeah, this difference I really agree <laughs> I know I really agree with that yeah yeah so that was the teacher that was like always secretly like nice Good, good job. I like good. What you're doing. I'm glad that you had that experience. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So then like, so, I mean, I have to assume that like some of those things that you're noticing are like part of what kind of leads you to make different choices with how you're going to like proceed in your life. Um, in terms of like, in terms of religion, in terms of feminism, in terms of how you continue to participate in art oh, or, or yeah. not. I mean, you can just no, keep yeah, telling BYU, the story. No, BYU was a huge part of me leaving. Yeah. yeah. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I taught there for about one semester before I, I taught there for four years. And I think it was after about one semester that I was like, oh, this is, this is going to end. Like yeah. this can't, this is not sustainable. And it was specifically the religion classes themselves mm. that, that led me away, which is ironic. Cause I think yeah. they have you take those to like, make sure you're staying strong. Yeah. yeah. And I probably would have without the stuff I learned in those religion. Well, classes. Yeah. It's really interesting. Like I was very, very, very Mormon while I was in school in Texas at the university of North Texas in this uh, the, the city where it is is similar to like an Austin or Portland. It's like a weird little mm-hmm. place. Um, and I was, I was very like, you know, faithful, but I think part of the reason I was able to do it is because there was nobody telling me how I was supposed to do that. Like yeah. there just weren't enough other people going like, you're doing that wrong. Like, and I think that's maybe partly what you're saying with like the religion classes. Like mm-hmm. when I was able to kind of like, have my own relationship with religion and my own relationship with spirituality too. And the way those things were related to me, that was totally sustainable for me. Yeah. And it's, and, it's healthy. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're not hurt by yeah. a religion that you feel like you have the power to live in the way that you yeah. feel is best. Yeah. But like, if you're getting pressure from other people, it just quickly devolves into something unhealthy. Yeah. I feel like totally. So yeah. I never had any problems till I moved here. Oh yeah. 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 And almost as soon as I moved here, I, you're like, problems. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. It, it really is like, and I think, you know, like I said, I mean, I think I talk about religion with my guests more like just simply because we live in a place where it's just part of the fabric of our lives. Yeah like, like it or not, um, you know, for my guests who grew up Mormon and the ones who are still Mormon and the ones who never were, you know, like, it's just, it's just part of, it's just part of what it means to live here. You have, right. Everybody in Utah has some kind of relationship with Mormonism. Yeah. There's no one that doesn't have yeah. at least some type of relationship with it. Yeah. And I was going to say like, you know, for my guests that are the one thing we all have in common is we're all creatives. Um, it it is in it's always interesting to me the way that those relationships um intertwine with our art identities yeah it is mm-hmm. it is interesting so um let's like uh, what well can you can you kind of just like story tell me through like your career <laughs> Like until now, <laughs> and I'll try to like not ask too many questions. So um, I can just yeah, of... I mean, I don't know if it's really all that interesting, but um, let me just try to, and, yeah. then, and then we'll just talk more about like your thoughts. Okay, at the end, cool. Yeah. Okay. So, and I'll just I'll start from college because that's where I really developed my creativity. Because, um, oh, I'm just trying to think. So. Growing up, it was like all skill and all technicality and no soul. No heart, yeah. And then what I 
I completely flipped my process on its head when I went to college. So I removed all visual technicalities, all like, what do you call it? Technique. Like method. Method. Well, there's method. Yeah. But there's no like. Institutionalized method. Yeah. There's no like technique in terms of how to make this look this way or beautiful or anything. So I completely stripped all of the visuals out of my art and only kept metaphor. Okay. So as few visual indicators that I could place, but still um, communicate a metaphor is kind of, that's the art direction. Closely related to your language making. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I had zero meaning in metaphor and beautiful visuals. Now I have all meaning in metaphor with very, very simplified visuals that could even be, um, considered ugly. Um, like a lot of my art isn't like at that time period, wasn't like visually pleasing, but is supposed to be like, um, you're supposed to be able to connect to it mentally and emotionally. Um, and so that's kind of where I was at. And I felt really freed by that about being able to create art that I didn't have to, uh, try to make look beautiful because I think a lot of artists, well, or a lot of people who want to make art, they think that there's like this requirement that it looks good or that it's beautiful or something. And once you can um, remove that fear, it's like the world of art opens up to you. That's like the number one thing that like contributes to like a blank canvas fear and, and all this stuff. I think music is the same. Yes. It's such a similar, yeah, it's such a similar thing. The more that I, I mean, cause I interview filmmakers and writers and chefs, you know, like anyone who's creating and there are parallels in places that you wouldn't even expect them. Yeah. Like we all are dealing with so many of the same kind of like big questions. Absolutely. It's, I love it. I, I like love it, it too. So much. I so love it too. Yeah. My husband's a music producer and I'm a UX designer now. And we find that our processes, like him, me dealing with UX clients and him dealing with musicians, we can help each other through the process because we're using all the same skills and tactics and processes and just like the tools and the details of what the art is is different and everything else is the same. Can we talk about um, what your relationship is with your art? And I never know how to ask these questions because like the way that you ask it can kind of like from the answer you know Uh but like you could talk about like the process like you know is there an order of things like do you experience something and then make something about it do you make something and then it like changes you uh is it something totally else like does art represent a piece of you that's not represented anywhere else like how do you relate to your the art that you make Right. Um, okay. So, um, I, I'll probably talk about this style that I developed in college. Um, I have a new style now where I feel that I've taken what I learned as a teenager and what I learned in college and combined them, which is so great. Feels great. Yeah. Feels like I'm like, 
uh, just feels fantastic, um, to be able to combine everything I've learned. Um, but I did this sort of really stripped down sort of visually strange style for like 10 years. I like, I just couldn't get over it. Cool. It was like, there was just this idea in my head and I needed to make it over and over and over and over. It was like almost an obsession with this type of art. Um, and, oh, I'm trying to think of like what my process was back then. It was, um, I liked to embody, not embody, that's the right, that's the wrong word, but I liked to express, um, very particular human moments. Um, so like a panic attack okay, or like a moment where my ex-boyfriend, like, screamed for a second and like hit the ground with his fists like these very like like emotionally visceral 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 emotionally charged moments of like pure humanness Mm -hmm. so i would take those and turn them into like um i would simplify them down and use just very simple lines to express what the emotion of that moment looked like does that make sense yeah i mean it, it, it's i mean it's like what you were talking about with the phonemes it's like the same thing yeah yeah, yeah. sorry um, it's freezing down here oh it's okay i've got my coat there are blankets i'm okay. good <laughs> yeah i'm not thinking about my body so that's right now not so much like so so the way that it relates to you is just like the way that it relates to humans yeah not necessarily like personal specifically well it's like the there are these personal moments that i went through but i'm hoping that they're relatable and universal because all humans are really the same and couldn't agree i assume if i've been through something a million other people yeah well i always way more than a million have already been through it so yeah i always say like the uh, and by always i mean to my students you know (laughs) I, i really do like always say it but in the context of teaching um the range of human experience is infinite, but the range of human emotion is like very narrow. Yeah. Yeah. We all feel the same stuff. Yeah. We feel it about different things. We feel it in different contexts. Like, but, but the, the raw emotion is like, it's really a pretty narrow spectrum. Yeah. And very familiar from person to person, I think. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what I was trying to tap into. Um, what about like, Again, this question of, sorry, were you, Mm -mm, no, go ahead. This, this thought of like, you know, when you say to someone, you're an artist. Um, so, I mean, I kind of think of it in these couple of different ways. Like there's a relationship between the artist and the art. And I, I see that as something that goes both ways, even though like you make the art, like I know I feel like when I make things, they kind of, they kind of come back and change me. So I think there's a relationship between the art and the artist. I think there's a relationship between the art and the audience or mm-hmm. the consumer. And there's also a relationship between the consumer and the artist. Uh, do you have thoughts about like any of those things? Like, um, I was going to specifically ask, like when you just introduce yourself as an artist, like, um, I don't know how, how do you feel about that? Yeah, let me let me think about that for a sec. <clears throat> Cuz I I guess, well, I guess it's telling what I think art is um the moment because of the moment that I started thinking about myself as an artist okay. 
is the moment that I started expressing metaphor and meaning versus like appealing to visuals or or like accuracy. Sure. Um, And so I guess, I guess like me telling people that I'm an artist, I guess what that really means deep down to me is that I am somebody who does that, that particular thing. Like um, a lot of my like realism skills have definitely like waned, especially with physical paint, with digital paint. It's so much easier. It's so much easier to get it right because you can erase and do it over and over and over that my, like my realism skills are way higher with digital art, which is so fun. Um, but what I, I guess when I say I'm an artist, I I feel confident in that because I know that I have this way of it's more like a way of thinking. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're telling something, you're telling someone about your thought skills and your feeling skills and not your hand skills. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. 100%. Yeah. 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 And do you ever, do you ever feel like, um, I don't know, uh, conflicted about maybe like how people understand art or artists you or in general? Um, yeah. Um, I do. I, well, okay. Mostly what frustrates me is other people's relationship with their art. Yeah. (laughs) Because I see it being so unhealthy, um, in so many people that I just like, like, no, don't, (laughs) this is unhealthy. Like, let me help you. Like what? Um, so like if I'm doing art with people who haven't done as much or, you know, they're interested in art, I just see an incredible amount of judgment and fear, something that I don't have with my own art. And it's like, I don't even realize that I don't have it or that it's like cool that I don't have it because I just, that's just the way I am. But then if I'm doing art with other people, it's like, they're constantly second guessing, like, is this the right, right. way? I'm like, right, Who cares? right yeah, way. What are you talking about? Or like, or just like this feeling of like, too. I, well, I can't do this because, you know, like these limiting sort of yeah. thoughts. And I'm like, are you sure you can't? Yeah. Or are you just telling yourself you can't? I also get like feelings about that stuff. And it's not just like this, like, I think sometimes when I like talk about these things, you know, as a, as a teacher, like, I mean, I'm thinking of these things specifically, like as an educator, like I, I struggle to express like the depth of feeling that I have about watching my students judge themselves in that way. Mm. Like, and it's not just like, Oh, I'm frustrated. Like, Oh, you can do it. It's like, it feels like irreverent to me. (laughs) Like, like, like Like it feels like a, a hurt yeah to like watch other people like reject their instrument mm-hmm. reject their like mind and their ideas mm-hmm. like it is just practically frustrating like it's unproductive but it, it, there's a there's a deeper feeling yeah, totally i i understand what you're saying yeah because i get the same feeling when i'm doing art with people and i see them judging it and I'm I see them using these I don't even know how to say it but um I like want to help them free themselves yeah like it's fine like they're thinking of it as something finite 
in a way that it's like you're like there's not a right wrong it's not like it's binary it's not like there's one well and then you're like if this is what you think about your own art like is this what you think art is like overall? Yeah. Like, are you judging art in this sort of like, for sure they must be. I think they yeah. must be. Yeah. I get frustrated about that kind of thing too. And, and like I said, it's more than a frustration. It's like, can't we understand that this is like more, <laughs> you have to like go into like, have to have a little therapy with se- session with people yeah. sometimes to get them to open up. I actually think I remember you being really good at that. Like when I had those few lessons that I Thank you. took from you to remove some of that fear, yeah. which is so fantastic. I feel really strongly about it. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels like, I don't know. So one thing that I talk about a ton is like the kind of seamlessness between like art and just being a person And I think, actually, I just remembered what I was going to ask you about your teen years. It came back, but it's related. (laughs) It's the same thing. Um, I feel like when we think limiting, like when we think in a limiting way about art, it means we're thinking in a limiting way about people. It means we're thinking in a limiting way about ideas, about life. Yes. Oh my God. I love, I love this. Okay. Okay, Let me expound on this. I love this thought so much because I I think that people think there's only value in art. If it like reaches some kind of like arbitrary, uh, threshold of like acceptability or something. And so one thing I do, like when I'm helping people draw that have never drawn very much. Like I was helping my brother draw, like it was, it was a while ago, but he's never picked up a pencil. I mean, he doesn't even like, he like types on the computer. He's like a programmer. Yeah. So, um, we put like a teddy bear on the table and, um, like the way I see people's art that, well, let me just go back. My brain's a little scattered right now. I'm with you. (laughs) I'll follow you wherever you go. Follow me here. Yeah. (laughs) So I find that whatever stage your brain is in, if you, um, if you express that on a piece of paper, it tells you about what's going on in here. So like if you're, it reflects back. That's what I was trying to say. So he was drawing this teddy bear and he did his first attempt and you know, we talked about it and we talked about like, see this perspective here, bloody blah, blah. That shows, this is a reflection of what's going on in your brain. Yeah, yeah. And that shows that you haven't trained to like see perspective in this way, but that's not a bad thing. It's just like, this is like this frozen sort of like, it's like this capture of the, of the structure of your brain at this moment. Yeah. And there's value in capturing any moment, totally, any structure yeah. should be captured in that way. And if like, do, like do it's you see va- what I'm saying? Totally. Like it's valuable because it is. It's like, valuable because it's the truth. Yeah, totally. So if like we go back to what I said as a kid, art is truth. Like my brother drawing that teddy bear and it, you know, it looked pretty good, but like obviously had some like problems. If you're, if you're judging it to this arbitrary threshold, yeah, that's not what it is. What it was, was a capturing of his yeah. ability to process visual information in that moment, yeah. which yeah. I think is so cool. Yeah. So cool. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just, I explained that to him and I was like, look how cool it is that this is like capturing the state of your brain right yeah. now. And then I was just like, um, 
let's work on like, like looking just a little closer and all this stuff. But anyway, it removed that fear for him. So then we drew it a second time and boom, it was like, yeah, three times as accurate as the, as the first one, because he wasn't afraid. I, I so think like a very similar way about vocals. Like, you know, if my, if I teach a UVU now, which is, um, so when I was teaching at BYU, I taught private lessons to non-majors, which was an experience. Hmm. And I taught the jazz choir. Mm-hmm. Um, at U, I just started teaching at UVU. This is my second semester. And I teach music majors, which I love because they like they have to practice. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's been like I've really, really enjoyed it. Um, but, you know, when my students will like their voice does something like imperfect or something that doesn't match their intention, you know, or whatever. Um, and they'll kind of like excuse themselves or like they'll laugh. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I say like such similar things, like it's okay. Like, let's just think about like what it's telling us. Yeah. It's telling you something. It's It's just telling you information, your vocal cords and this, how how they're functioning right now in this moment yep and like what you're what you're feeling like what you're thinking like how you're approaching this like Mm -hmm. these are all clues like these give us clues exactly about what's going on with you they give us like mechanical like like physiological clues and they Mm -hmm. give us a lot of emotional psychological clues um and like this is just all information that then we get we have the privilege of like being creative with what we do next yeah um, and uh, yeah, I feel like so strongly about like approaching art that way mm-hmm. and not like, I don't know, like fixing things like we yeah. are fixing things, but like, that's not the way, like we don't go outside in like that. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. I wanted to ask you, so I know you now to be a person who's very creative with ideas. Like you think expansively about concepts, about people, about what's possible. Um, and I was specifically going to ask if like that was, if there were seeds of that in your teens, but I think now we're past that. So I'll change it to just, um, how does just the way that you think about being a person, being a part of society, like, you know, um, consuming new ideas, consuming information, how do you feel like that, you know, exercise or part of yourself is related to your art or just what do you think about it uh okay Uh, or does it feel creative I don't know whatever you want so (laughs) I'm so sorry my brain's going a little bit oh go ahead so I thought you were asking for help oh you are say it one more time yeah (laughs) sorry (laughs) um just like being like be thinking creatively Mm -hmm. about ideas about people um It's not art, but it's definitely, I just kind of want to know if you have thoughts about it. I see what you're saying. Okay. No, yeah. No, it's definitely, it's the seed, these thoughts, these creative thoughts that aren't necessarily like visual thoughts. Um, uh, They're the seeds for all of my art. Yeah. And they were, of course, like back when I had distilled my art to like almost purely metaphor and very few visuals. And I've carried that through to my new style where I will capture, I will try to capture a very like specific human moment or a very like 
or, or something maybe even more abstract, like a very abstract philosophy of some kind. Um, and I, that's, that's like, well, and it's the same with music. If it doesn't have this sort of like seed of realness or this, this seed of like, this strange thought that I yeah. came up with, then, yeah. then to me, it almost doesn't have any value. Mm-hmm. I guess, yeah. I guess <laughs> you're kind of helping me like figure myself out. I right. guess what I value <laughs> most is like these seeds, like these strange thoughts and yeah. then like music or art or just like different ways of expressing them. Totally. Um, so yeah, now my style is I do digital art Um, which allows me to be accurate enough where I can show extremely like complex situations with a very like intentional, like concept or philosophy or metaphor. But there's also like the visual, um, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, like visual appeal to hopefully like catch people's Like an aesthetic. Like an aesthetic. Yeah. An aesthetic. Um, because I find that, well, people are responding to it way more than they've ever responded Mm. to either of my two previous styles. Interesting. Cause I think they, they, it catches their eye cause they're, cause it's pretty or whatever. And it has an aesthetic and they're like, Oh, that's intriguing. And then my hope is that there's something deeper behind. Yeah. Um, anyway, totally. I think I have a really similar like value system for the things that I make. Like Mm -hmm. I want the things that I make to be consumable i mean it's very yeah like subjective <laughs> like like um, you want it to be but, like accessible you don't want to yeah. leave people behind yeah all or the if time I'm going to i'm v- try to be very purposeful about it or like, yeah the dream is that you'll create some kind of cult following that will follow you even if you leave them behind yeah. and then they'll be like <laughs> we, we have to find her it's like you get this like trust between yeah. like an artist and an audience yes and if you can build their trust yeah they will follow you into the craziest yeah. places yeah like my favorite artists they will experiment and do crazy things and i'm just like i'm right there with them. i love that too yeah. like you trust like the artist's integrity such that yeah you know if they're going somewhere you, you want to go there. If, you want to try they're going to, there, there's some value that, in yeah, that's why I mean. they're doing yeah. it. So I'm going to listen to something that I would never listen to yeah. without building trust with the artist. Because totally. like you could, I could hear like one of Sufjan's songs like in a vacuum and be like, um, no, you know, yeah. but because yeah. I have this relationship with him, right. at least it's a one-sided relationship yeah. with him. I understand his brain because I've listened to every single thing he's ever created. Yeah. yeah. So now it's like this, I hear what he's making. I'm like, oh, I see. I see I get what that is. I see yeah. where this is on the trajectory of your, of your journey. I saw how, I yeah. see how you got here. Cause I know you've been here oh, and here and here. I love it so much. You're so right that like having an audience that I mean, I say this, I have said this before, like, I want an audience that is the kind of audience that I am to the things that I love. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, Because that's what I like to do, too. Yeah, totally. Like, um, yeah, paying attention to those things and letting you evolve and letting you explore. Yeah. Okay, I think I just have like one final question. Cool. And I, um, anyway, I don't need to preface. I'll just, I'll just (laughs) ask it. So I've really enjoyed seeing like a lot of the things you've been sharing over the last uh 
year. I don't know. Um, I loved Robin Cage's video. Robin Cage. Is that Robin Cage. Yeah. yeah. Um, I loved that you were like a muse in this video <laughs> or like a goddess. And then just like, I, I think, so what I want to ask you about is like how you, what's your relationship with like your own physicality and your own life as art? Mm. I feel like you, you've been like this, like not a prop in a bad way, but like you've been like, you were kind of like a prop in her music video in this amazing, like gorgeous way. Yeah. And then like, you're, I don't know, like just, I don't know. Well, I like to think of it as like a canvas or, I mean, prop has like a negative connotation. I didn't mean it that way. No, no, no. Yeah. But like, or I like a model, you know, I see exactly yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. Um, and I think like, especially in the last year, I have turned myself into art. Like I'm my own canvas right now. Yeah. And I don't know why exactly I've done that. Maybe it's just a phase or something, but I have been on a journey to, um, well, I have a strange relationship with my face. Yeah. Well, I, I saw you post about that. Yeah. You put you um, posted that ghoul thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I have been drawing like these ugly, uh, depictions of myself for years. Yeah. Um, and I guess, I guess what I'm doing for the first time is it like, okay, let me explain it this way. So when you create a piece of art, like whatever it is to me is, is is perfect. Yeah. Even if there's a mistake in it, because what it is, is truth. Mm -hmm. It's, mm -hmm. you know what I'm yeah. saying? And so if you kind of take that same idea about your art and you apply it to yourself, yeah. it's like, well, if I saw a drawing of this face, um, I would think, oh, like what a beautiful drawing because it's so accurate or it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if I think about my own self as art, it's like, I'm much more open to be accepting of the yeah. way that I am. Um, and so I am treating, I am treating myself like a canvas and it's why I, I changed my hair like three times that a week. That purple hair, that bluish purple hair that oh, you had was so cool. I love that color. I mean, wasn't your hair like red in that music video? No, it was blonde. Okay. It was I don't long, know what I'm long, like long as yours and like natural, like virgin hair. Cool. And then I just like. Were you totally, like wearing red? I was wearing orange and red. Okay. I was like supposed to be like the, the, like the sun the goddess. The sun goddess yeah. or something. So cool. Yeah. I'll have to link it in the, in like the show notes or something. Yeah. Um, so and, anyway, yeah. I don't think it's like, I don't know. I think there's this like connotation to like doing yourself up as like. I don't know. There's some kind of like strange connotation with that. Yeah. Like you're trying so hard to like look a certain way or whatever. Yeah. But it's more like I'm trying to embody. I'm trying to be yeah. art. Does totally. that make sense? Yes. Okay. That's why I want to ask you about okay. it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I kind of like assumed that you were going to say roughly these things. I just wanted you to say them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, and actually like I, but I, so I, I, that I think like this physicality, like this, you know, painting on yourself. And I think I'm like, I'm interested in the music video because it's like, it's even like a step farther. It's like you're participating with your own physicality in someone else's art, mm -hmm. which is just, I don't know. It just feels like meta in a way that I feel like <laughs> must have been 
something for well you. it was something it was um it was a magical day yeah um and i don't really know why it just seemed to be a magical gathering of those particular people yeah and the environment just seemed to bend to what we needed yeah. that day which it, i thought was really cool anytime we so we had a lot of different scenes you know we had the scene where the sun goddess comes we have Anyway, I don't need to get into the details. We had a lot of different scenes and the weather kept changing cool. to, to match Amazing. what we needed for each shot. Yeah. And we were just like, well, this is just a magical yeah. day. I don't know why. I, just, I loved seeing that you were in that. I mean, it's a beautiful video, but like I just specifically was like, because I don't know Robin, mm-hmm. um, but I, I just was totally surprised to see Unit because I followed her page. Like, oh, I so you didn't know I was in it. You just. No, I just saw her video oh. and then you were just there in it. Oh. <laughs> and I just, I mean, I having seen you post about, you know, that you have at times seen yourself as a weird ghoul. Mm-hmm. And well, it then, was, it is, it, it was hard. It, it was I, hard for me. I, I mean, I saw you in the video and just felt like, oh my gosh, this really must have been something for her. So, Aww. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm asking, I'm not asking like specifically because the video is amazing. I mean, it is, but I'm asking because I just felt like you're a goddess in the video. <laughs> like that must, I mean, it just... I don't know. It just feels significant to me. Well, and I, I think that you're right because I, I want to be that, but I have this like distorted inner image Yeah. and, um, it is really scary for me to be filmed Yeah. because I, sometimes I don't know if like I'm seeing it accurately totally, or if I'm yeah. seeing the distorted image, yeah. but I, I try to get myself I, I try to do it anyway you know that, what I mean yes and yeah. and I think like that act is like so creatively brave like that it, that is art I mean so I was asking before like you know we're talking about you know painting on yourself and changing your hair and changing your clothing but I'm also curious about the way that you embody art in like the choices that you're making like in the way that you just like are a person in the world mm. and that feels like that as well mm. I see what you're saying because behind a lot of artistic practices are like these kind of like methods that are, I don't even know how to describe them, but like, they're just like, okay, I'm an artist and my art is that, and you, you'll give yourself like a rule or a task or something. And like, whatever that creates is the art, but like the act of like, I'm going to put myself on camera. Yeah. I'm going to take pictures of myself. Yeah. I'm going to draw myself, even though I'm horrified like I'm terrified of that and I I know that what I'm seeing is distorted yeah. and I'm gonna do it anyway yeah. is like an artistic practice in and of itself 100% like I, I, I see yeah. what you're saying yeah I love that yeah and I feel I just feel like you're a person who just like does that like you I was thinking this morning um just about interviewing you later today and just thinking like I've been really interested lately in trying to interview people who like who I see as being like, yeah, kind of this seamless, like the seamlessness between like the art and the person. Like, <laughs> and I, I feel like you are like that. Oh, so thank you. Yeah. So I want to hear you talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is there anything else you want to say about that? Um, like bringing your kind of like art practice into like your life? Oh my goodness. I'm sure there is. I'll say one other thing. And then if you like want to chime in, you can. But one of the reasons that I, that I 
love this conversation, like in the, like the, the conversation of the podcast, you know, wherever it, the individual episodes may take me. I, I have a really strong belief about this, you know, what we were kind of talking about before with being creative about ideas and people. And I feel like that's a way that like, I would like to see all humans be artful. Um, I think like hearing people who are intentionally creative artists, um, talking about the ways that creative thinking makes it into our personal lives, makes Mm. it into our politics, our religion, our, like the things that are kind of just, um, all too easily like bereft of art and creativity. Um, Mm. I feel like those kinds of like hearing artists reflect on those things, the way that art gets into like how you make a grocery list, you know, like whatever, just Mm -hmm. like the mundanity and, and the very not mundane. I don't know. Um, I feel like it's important. So I guess that's it. Do you, okay. What do you think? No, that sparked a thought. <laughs> okay. That sparked a thought. Um, so I think one of the main um, things in my artistic process is this concept of non-judgment um, that I think unlocks the artist. And I feel like I've been practicing that so long in art and, you know, maybe, and you know, it's chicken or the egg. Like, I don't know if I'm an, a non-judgmental artist, cause I'm a non-judgmental person totally. yeah. or if I've learned to think that way through my art for so long that I imbue that like elsewhere. Yeah. Um, but I have a very similar feeling about like the people in my life yeah. and I give people the benefit of the doubt, like to an, a, an extreme degree yeah. that sometimes even gets me in trouble. Like they mm-hmm. actually did have bad intentions yeah. and I like in the same way, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. So, and, um, so that's a strong characteristic that I do see like influence my art and influence my personal life, yeah. my relationships. And I, I let, you know, I like to see people kind of as they are in this moment, their yeah. truth in this moment, their perfection for this moment. And that's the way I see yeah. Art as well. So, um, maybe this is just like an impossible question to ask, but like, do you feel like you have any insight into like how you do that? Um, or like <laughs> suggestions? Cause I mean, I feel like that thing you just said is so like, if we had more of it, you know, like what could happen if we had more of it? <laughs> and I think I feel the same way. Like it's, you know, like when you said like, I don't know, like chicken or the egg, like I, I feel that way too. Yeah. Like, I don't know if like being a creative has got me thinking creatively about people or if I was always thinking creatively about people and then that's why I make stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, do you, do you have any advice for like how to see people in this kind of non finite way? Oh my goodness. That's such a good question. I don't know. I, I wonder, I'm, I mean, if it is practicing non-judgment in art for so long that has contributed to it, that would be like an easier way to start. Sure. You, it's very, it's a lot easier to learn to not judge art than to not judge people. It's definitely a starting place. So yeah, that I could totally be agree. a starting place. And you yeah. could, it could be like a gauge of like, if you're creating art and you constantly have these judging thoughts that are coming up about it, you might be like, Oh, there is, there's some, yeah. there's something we can work on here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
or practicing like something that I think about, like, cause I ask myself this question a lot. Cause I feel like, I feel like this is why it matters. Like, I mean, it's one reason why it matters. Like it's yeah. one reason why art matters. Cause I, I really agree that these things are related somehow. I don't know that I know how or why, but I think like frequently putting myself in a situation where I require myself to consume art that is not easy to consume mm. for me, like mm-hmm. require myself to consume art that makes me uncomfortable that like I do feel kind of judgmental about and Mm -hmm. maybe I mean less like you know it's amateurish or something and more that it's just like more like it's it's just hard it's It's challenging it's like oh that's troubling yeah 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 like this is taking a lot of emotional and mental energy from me Mm -hmm. um yeah and I feel like it's a practice for like it is a practice I'm talking with this person who's challenging Absolutely. And you can kind of find your boundaries, um, by like, okay, what art is challenging for you? And where yeah. is that boundary for you? Cause I definitely have a boundary yeah. where, and, and I so appreciate the art that bothers me. I'm like, wow, you really made some art that actually is troubling me. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> yeah. Cause I'm yeah. pretty, you know, yeah. but like, I'm pretty open. And yeah. when I find those boundaries, I'm like, Oh, Oh, yeah. interesting. Okay, <laughs> yeah. well, I need to think more about this and maybe I should expand that boundary. Maybe not, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I think that's just, it's, you're probably, it's just the question, like, where maybe a lot of people would be like, ew, no, bar if I hate that. Yeah. Like, pe- period, end of story. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's the same way with people. Like, we certainly need boundaries. We certainly yeah. need sometimes to say, like, no, I don't have you in my life or, like, I don't participate in this. But having that question of, mm-hmm. like, is there something to be understood? Like, yeah. Do I have the capacity to like build a bridge? Yeah. Um, or build some understanding or absolutely. Or is this person just having a weird day? Yeah. You know, like, or am I having a weird day there? Well, and there's like, there's a meme about people that I really dislike and it's talking about people as toxic, like just get rid of all toxic people in your life and like boiling a whole human being down to one word that everything about them is toxic. Yeah. I find so, I find so close minded and and so damaging and it's a lot more work to make relationships work with difficult people. Yeah. So much easier to cut them off, but I don't believe in it. Yeah. It's hard, but I, I, or even like actually, yeah. I mean, I, I went no contact with my dad earlier this in April, uh, almost about exactly a year ago. Mm. And even I feel like, you know, even even as a person who like has made a decision, at least for the time being, to not have a relationship or, Mm -hmm. or any contact at all with my dad, I still feel like I I can think about like, I know he's not toxic to other people. I know he's not. Right. I know he isn't. Well, and yeah, and I didn't want to make it sound like you, I didn't think, you have to have relate. No, yeah, I didn't think that's what you were saying. hundred percent. I feel like I just yeah. haven't thought about it it's for so, like, obvious it's reasons. Like, you have to protect yourself, and it is a hundred percent appropriate to not have certain people in your life. Yeah. But I think also, like, reducing humans to yeah. that person is not a human. That person is a toxic... right thing yeah you know I know what I mean? my dad's not toxic to a lot of people yeah. in his life and 
furthermore, like, I mean, I can know that like, you know, it's not healthy for me to have my dad in my life. And Mm -hmm. I can also know that like, I can also in my day-to-day life appreciate this skill, that skill, my cheekbones, you know, (laughs) like I can, like I can still like see the ways that he has affected my life positively, even though like having a regular relationship with him is like not tenable at this point in my life. Well, that is like, it's a very gray way of thinking, um, that I think it's difficult and it's, it is, I, I do think it's easier to think in black and white. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's probably, it could be that way of thinking might bring more pain, but it also is more accurate (laughs) to the reality of the universe. So I think there's value in that. Well, I mean, I know totally what you know. I, I totally know what you mean about it being gray, but I also feel like it's like way more colorful. Like I know you didn't mean, you meant it like metaphorically gray, but like seeing people as like, like people are not gray. They're not black and white. They're not gray. They're They're like full of complicated tapestries. Absolutely. I love that way of thinking of it. Yeah. I think that way pretty regularly and certainly on my good, on my good days, <laughs> like good my, days. my, when I'm in my values, that's how I think about yeah, people and yeah. things and ideas. Um, Julia, it has been so lovely to talk with you. It's so great. That was so much fun. I always ask people two questions at the end. One is on this day, what is your dream collaboration? Who would you love to work with? Sufjan, Sufjan Stevens. Great. Amazing. So easy. <laughs> um, is there like for anyone who hasn't listened, is there like a song you want to recommend? A song. Oh, well, okay. Or an album. Yeah, no, I can, I can recommend a song. <laughs> I probably showed you this song. Yeah, I don't know. What, what, um, what is it? A long time ago. Um, John Wayne Gacy Jr. Okay. This actually, it ties back into seeing people gray or colorful. Yeah. It pushes that idea to the boundaries. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. That's the song. And then finally, finally, where can people find your work? Where can people find my work? Or find um, you. Uh, Instagram. My handle is uh, this is Yara. And we spell that. Yara is J-E-R-A. Okay. This is Yara. And that's pretty much it. Probably just Instagram for Great. now. Yep. Thank you so much. It was so lovely to catch up with you. Thank and you talk so to you. much. It was so much fun. I loved it. Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our theme song is As You Are from my album Masks with artwork and merch designs by Sarah Keel and ad segment music by Jerem Hansen. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, please send me a note through my website, emvocals.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.